My next guest I had the privilege to sit down with is a veteran, an activist, a model, and a drag king. Within this episode, we covered a lot of stuff, right? And I like to say all the time, and I want folks to know that as trans folks of color, we are not monolithic. We're all different. We have all different journeys, different experiences. And in this episode, we talked about gender identity. And my guest identifies as being gender queer. And to quote my guest, they said, my hope is that I aspire Black queer people to be authentic, whether it's through queer aesthetics or beginning a medical transition. Challenge the norm and challenge the binary. Ooh, that's good, right? We also talked about moving from one state to another and rediscovering yourself in a new environment. This was a really great episode. I hope that you enjoy. Hello and welcome to Them Boys Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Aaron, he, him, he is, and I will be your guide throughout this journey on the show. This show is a platform where trans men of color voices will be amplified as we share our stories. Trans men of color are not monolithic. What that means is our journeys are not the same. We come from different backgrounds. We have different stories, family relations, chosen family, and most of all, we have different transition journeys. Visibility equals possibility. I like to say that all the time. We like to highlight on this show trans men of color businesses and entrepreneurs, parents, athletes, survivors, and many other issues and topics that are relatable to trans men of color in our existence. Them Boys Podcast is not only a platform to amplify our voices, but to raise awareness and conversation around our lived experiences. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting, listening, and sharing the show. Welcome to Them Boys Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Aaron. He, him, he is. My next guest is a veteran, an activist, a model, and also a drag king. Welcome to the show. Hey, it's a pleasure to be really excited <laughs> yes i'm so happy to have you here mind you i've been trying to get them on the line for forever so we finally got them here on the show so you want to introduce yourself uh yeah my name is mia obi i use they them pronouns um i just moved from atlanta to santa fe new mexico so a lot of big changes and that's why it was hard to uh meet up with you because my life was all over the place <laughs> yeah no no apologies necessary I, I know i was just joking with you but i know sometimes life happens right life be life yeah. and sometimes we gotta take that moment to catch up and get our shit together so i, I definitely understand that but you're here yeah. now i'm so happy to to hear your story and to get, for the audience to get to know you and who you are so you say you came from atlanta so now you're in new mexico right yeah in santa fe new mexico santa fe new mexico how is it there um, it's a lot different than Atlanta. Um, it's a very touristy. It's like a, a place where people go to like get away, chill in the mountains. Uh, people are very artsy here. Like, like some really established artists. Um, my wife got a new job here where she works at a, a native art school. Um, so our life is like all about art, which is pretty cool to see. Um, people really dedicate themselves to their art. 
Yeah, that's cool. The New Mexico, I've only been there once and I did go there to unwind and go to a spa and like hot springs and all that. So yeah, I guess that is true. People go there for that. Um, yeah, it's lovely. It's, it's a good change of pace uh, for sure. So it's slower than Atlanta, I'm, I'm imagining. Yeah, way slower. Like there's a lot of older people here. Like it's like kind of like a retirement city, which is also different. There are not that many black people here. Um, and that's also to go from a place that's like 51% black to a place that's like less than 1% is crazy. Yeah, I definitely want to dive into that a little bit later. Um, I definitely have some questions around that and how you um, kind of like acclimate into your space. So I want to ask you your name. How does the name choose you? Well, my birth name is Mia. And then just being in the military, my last name is Obiakwe. Uh, so everybody called me Obi for short. So it was just a great way for me to put like the feminine version of myself and the masculine version of myself together. Just put a hyphen in the middle and I just went with Mia Obi. Oh, I like that. So let's talk about that, because a lot of times, folks, we they have a lot of dysphoria around their birth names and you chose to keep your birth name, which is fine and, and wonderful. Right. So what what made the decision for you to do that? And how, and how do you feel about that? Um, I love it. I think it's a great um, a great intro to who I am without saying too many words. I love my name, Mia. Uh, my mom gave it to me for like a very specific reason. Uh, she wasn't supposed to be able to have a kid. So when she named me, she named me mine. Mia is mine in Spanish. Um, so it was like kind of a joke for her to just have my name be Mia. Um, and then Obi just sounds more masculine. So when you put them together, whenever I introduce myself, however people view me, they kind of stick to one or the other. So I'll say, hi, my name is Mia Obi, depending on what I'm wearing. Uh, for the day, they'll either call me Mia or Obi. And that also gives me a great way to like gauge where they're at in their headspace on like what pronouns they're probably going to call me. Um, just the everything. <laughs> but if people can get Mia Obi, then I, I know that they can understand me as a whole and use my correct pronouns. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people just re they're like, wow, that's a mouthful. And it's just like if my name was Mary Kate. You would have no problem saying Mary Kate. <laughs> Mia Obi is no different. So true. So do you feel like people adapt less to your name together in New Mexico or was it more difficult in Atlanta? Did people get in in Atlanta? Um, it was or, definitely more difficult in Atlanta. Um, more difficult in Atlanta. Why is that? Yeah. <laughs> people definitely picked one or the other, depending on how they see me and with like what space I was in. In New Mexico, people are, um, there are a lot of queer presenting people here. Like people are open and fluid and like, I'm talking about like the straight people are very open, usually are like polyamorous, have some type of open relationship or they just do art. So they understand life in a different, like, um, you know, through a different lens. Um, and Atlanta people are still like from the South, you know, they have very traditional values no matter how open they think that they are, they still, you know, it's like, you know, it's rooted in you. <laughs> Interesting. Are we yeah. talking about black folks? Are we talking about others? Or what are we talking about specifically who would not recognize your name in, in the way that you told it to them? I'm speaking of everybody. Mm. Most of the people that I interacted with in Atlanta were probably black. And here people are not 
<laughs> I, I don't meet very many black people, especially like black queer people. But a lot of, of the queer like community here are also like fluid in how they express themselves. Um, so that might be it as well. Whereas like in Atlanta, you have like the gay boys over here and the lesbians over here. And you go to Little Five and you go, you you get a mix of a whole bunch of different people. But here it's it's you everybody parties with everybody. So it kind of puts you in a different space mentally. Got you. So I want to ask you, share your, your transition journey with us from beginning into where you are now. Uh, so prior to moving to Atlanta, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I always would like describe myself as like just me. Like I'm just me. Like just let me be. Most of my friends were straight because when I did have like gay friends, they didn't understand like why I wanted to dress the way that I dressed or the fact that I still liked studs, even though I was a stud or I liked gay boys, even though I'm a stud, like they just see me as like too gay. Like I was doing too much. And so that's why I moved to Atlanta. So once I moved to Atlanta, um, I made a lot more gay friends through my job. I was a street canvasser for the human rights campaign. Um, and basically what that is, is that we went out and <laughs> stood on like corners, different busy corners and um, fundraised for the human rights campaign through monthly memberships and told people about the Equality Act. So in order to like work there, you had to be like really like queer savvy and like think really quickly and know a lot about like queer culture, you know, to educate people. So that put me in a very different headspace of like, I started meeting people who were trans, like on all different spectrums, black, white, and everything in between there. And it was an article that my wife, she, my wife was my boss. She hired me there <laughs> and she understood what I meant when I said, I'm just Mia. Like, I just want to be whatever that looks like. And she showed me this article from the magazine, Them of different people like expressing their pronouns and how they identified. And it was like video clips of them. Um, and like, it just blew my mind. Like, whoa, like, I think that's me. I didn't know that people existed in between and like, or like just dressed like that. And it was just like, it blew my mind. And we had really great health insurance. So once she showed me that article, it just kind of like sparked a fire for me to like, figure it out from there and she helped me a lot and that's how we ended up getting married but <laughs> she showed me an article and the rest is history shout out yeah. to them magazine i follow them on instagram yeah i do too actually they pull out some pretty good uh posts i like some of their stuff yeah um, i think it was an article wrote by devin norell which is another um like queer individual they well zay use zay them and zay pronouns and like that was a person that I like looked up to a lot, but never really dove into like their like gender expression. Um, and so once I got that, it was like, whoa, I I know people, especially people of color, specifically black people, like we're allowed to express themselves that way. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. And, and it's kind of funny that you say that, too, because like. And that's kind of the reason why I asked you before of like, who gave you the most problems with your name? Because I've had guests in the past to say it's always black folks. It's always black folks. Right. And so 
it's kind of like within our community is it's kind of limited to what people want to explore right as far as in masculinity i should say and so how was it growing up did you feel some type of way as you grew up and like most folks say hey i know i was different or you know how did your parents respond or your family or loved ones or chosen family how how did that work out for you i figured out that i was gay Maybe like when I was 16, um, I played basketball like real hard. <laughs> that was my life. So um, I don't know. I was like on MySpace and I commented on somebody like a teammate that we were about to play my at a space. different school. I had to stop yeah. you. MySpace. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. It, that was the moment on MySpace where I was like, oh my gosh, I think I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> where I was uh-huh. like, I told somebody that they were pretty. And then they DM me like, own it, like you're cute. And I was, and it made me feel some type of way like, oh shit, like dang, I, I guess they're gay, but like I like that. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm gay too. Like I had a really big crush on this player. And once the next, I guess when the game came after that, they stayed or stuck around to like meet me in person. And I don't know, they, Introduced me to like their uh what's it called? AAU basketball team at like this sports facility that used to be in Cincinnati. And like once I walked into there, it was like all the gay girls played basketball there. And it was like a whole nother world outside of my school. And so I kind of just was like the gay basketball player. But when I went back to school, I was just myself. So it wasn't like I ever had to come out because kind of like my two worlds didn't exist at the same time. And one of my aunts had noticed one night, like, I don't know. She just had, I guess, decided that she was going to ask me if I was gay. And I said, yes. And that was the only time that I came out. I, like, cried to her. We talked about it. Um, She noticed my behavior when she would take me to the sports facilities, how, like, how it would change. But she never told anybody. And after I came out to her, that, that, that was, like, the only coming out I needed to do. And people slowly started seeing me, like, with girls holding their hands at the mall, canoodling and whatnot. And like one by one, my cousins would ask me. Um, I grew up with my grandma, so I didn't have to like come out to my parents. And I'm an only child. So I kind of just got to do whatever I wanted all the time. Um, so I didn't really have to come out. I just have always been myself. And then for my transition, um, once I decided I was going to start uh, HRT, I created a YouTube series and each week I dropped a new, I think it was like six videos in total of six weeks. Each week I would drop a new video explaining like why I was doing this, answering people's questions. People would send me questions, um, describing pronouns, just recording like my life. And it was a fundraiser too, to help pay for what the rest of what the insurance wouldn't pay. Um, I fundraised the rest. So I came out through just like YouTube videos. So I didn't have to have multiple like personal conversations. And it saved me like a lot of like stress mentally. And if they didn't like it, then they didn't have to talk to me or they didn't have to watch the videos. But I never got any pushback from my family. And they just watched the videos, too. That sounds cool. So you was able to raise funds to pay for your co-payment for gender affirmative surgery through YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, I like sold awesome. T-shirts too. It was like a fundraiser with the videos, 
And then I made T-shirts and all of it went to paying for my surgery. Nice. That sounds easy. Like you. So you it was you didn't have to come out to your family. You uh, raise funds through YouTube. That's almost like that's like we sitting in the privilege, right, of being able to just people don't have that. Most people don't experience that. They have problems with their family. They not able to um, obtain gender affirming surgeries. And that's kind of how them boys started. Right. Like to help uh, trans men of color to obtain gender affirming surgeries, whether that's pay for surgeries in general, if they have no health care or to um, help with the, the co-payment. Um, so I would like to ask you, like, do you have any advice for somebody that may be listening? That's like, whoa, my shit ain't that easy. Um, what can I do? How I need support. Do you have any advice for somebody? I think a part of my process, I did go to like a lot of uh, transgender like groups in Atlanta, um, which in theory, I think would be very helpful. I transitioned when I was 27. I'm 32 now about to be 33 in October. So this was like a while ago and people still weren't hip to like non-binary humans, especially black ones. And so I would go to these groups and people didn't understand what I was saying. And I was kind of like outcasted. And it was, it was very like mentally draining, but I think now people get it. And I don't think that that would be as big as a problem. So I would definitely say find community um, because a lot of my resources were through uh, through my friends. Um, I didn't necessarily meet all of them like at the transgender groups. I specifically got in contact with Jay Megs. Uh, he created a group called Trans Men of Excellence. And he seen one of my videos that I posted on YouTube and like kind of like seeked me out, sat me down and was like, we don't have anybody like masculine individual who doesn't use he, him pronouns in our group. And so I joined their group and they put me on to like a whole bunch of stuff. Like I wouldn't be probably even here talking to you <laughs> had I had not joined them or even be like in have modeling opportunities because like he could like vocalize what I couldn't. He just had a different type of swagger, more professional than I was back then. <laughs> mm -hmm. So he put me on to a lot um, and showed me a whole bunch of things. So. Shout out to J-Megs and everybody else who's a part of that group. It's no longer a group now, but I would say definitely find community because if you don't think you can raise the funds, somebody else can for you. Just like how you said, how them boys do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and we need each other, right? We need community. So it's like ra rally your folks together um, when, when, when places when you need assistance and you need help. Um, so. I want to ask you about your gender identity. Um, so you identify as genderqueer, am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, for folks who don't know, um, explain that exactly. Because, you know, people use terms, uh, they, they express express their gender, but it means different things to different people, right? Yeah, so, so, so what does being genderqueer, what does that mean to you? Uh, so as I have learned more about myself, um, gender queer felt good to me like it felt affirming where like i can go out and introduce myself as me or obi to people and if if they don't get it i can meet them where they're at if they see mia and for whatever reason think that this is a she heard to them that is cool to me like my gender is queer enough to where that if that's where you're at 
I'm still affirmed. I know who I am, and that's where you're at. If I, if I literally walk out of that room and walk into another room, and I'm a whole sir, and you just call me Obi, that's cool, too. I just walk from one room to the next room. I still feel comfortable with who I am. So gender queer, I feel like, allows me to flow more. Or even if I just feel, like, aside from what other people think, if I just feel, like, more masculine. Specifically, like, this chain. I told my wife yesterday, when I put this chain on, it makes me feel like a, like a big daddy. And so if that's what I feel like that day, then that's that's who I am. But the next day I could put on some booty shorts and a crop top and then that's who I am. So it's just it just is it's fluid. It, it could be gender fluid, but I personally like gender queer. So it's just a little, I'm a little quirky in all of the things that I am. Hey, this is Sean Aaron, the host of Them Boys podcast. Are you enjoying the podcast so far? Great. I'm glad that you are. Would you consider donating today to help support the continuation of this podcast? As you know, this podcast aims to serve as a platform to highlight and amplify the voices of trans men of color and share our transition stories. The podcast not only aims to amplify trans men of color voices, but it also raises awareness around our lived experiences. You would like to donate? Where can you donate? Great. I'm glad that you asked. Link in our description will take you directly to Network for Good, whom we've partnered with in order to collect donations for the podcast. Or you can visit our website. On the website, click the donate button. And from there, you are able to donate directly to the podcast. All donations are tax deductible. What does the donations go to? Oh, I'm glad that you asked. Your donation will help to support our production costs. We are working with Jasmine from Pink Lady Productions that brings you this awesome content. And also, we pay our guests an honorarium. Pay our guests an honorarium? Yes, we do. Why? Because as trans men of color, we would like to support and uplift each other and honor the time that's given out to come here and share their stories. So if you love this podcast, share and donate. See you on the next episode. Take care. I love that. I I really do. And and I and I still battle with my own internal biases and my own and even ways that I feel about myself. I don't know if I would feel comfortable going in the cop, coffee shop and somebody says she. I'm 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 on edge. I'm ready to fight. Who the fuck says she? Right. <laughs> I don't think that I feel comfortable enough in my own skin, even though. I look how I look. I present how I present. I don't think that that would shake me a little bit. How are you able to do that? Right. How are you able to shift and in, 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 you said be more open to that? How are you able to do that? It definitely took a long time to get to that spot for sure. It wasn't always like that. Um, I've been on um, I've been on HRT for five years. So I've gone back and forth between those two things uh, for a long time. And it's just like, it's so stressful. Like if I'm really stressed out about like where someone is at and their personal journey, as far as understanding pronouns or understanding just queer people in general, I like, I really can't let that affect me. Like what my ID says versus like how I feel in my head is it, like, it's just not that serious to me. Cause it really starts to like, tear down your mental health and it's like i mean i do identify with things that happen on that side of the spectrum and i do identify with things on the opposite side and everything in between so it just was like a lot of back and forth of being like are you really gonna let that tear you down <laughs> and it's just like no because it ain't that serious like i 
as long as the people that are in my inner circle understand that I'm just a being that expresses themselves however I choose from day to day, then like I'm okay with that. When I step outside of my house, I know that realistically that's going to change. And so I guess it's just with age. Just as you <laughs> transition, you just pick something and you flow with it. And it's okay if it changes next year. Yeah, I know that. I I mean, I said I, I'm ready to fight, but I'm not really ready to fight. Because I, I feel how you feel of like, I could care less. I could give two fucks what you think about me. It's all about yeah. what I think about myself. And if you see a ma'am, you confused for one. That's just, that's yeah, just that I, part. I never get that. I'm like, what part of me is a ma'am? Excuse me, but whatever. That's fine. If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. I, I see a lot of folks on like Instagram. I'm not going to call nobody out in general, but they fight on their posts, making videos and reels arguing with people about so they identify as a trans masculine man but they want to argue about what other people say in their comments about them i don't have time for that you can say whatever the fuck you want to say that doesn't make your opinion does not matter to me and who i am as a person like how you what you feel about that i mean i totally agree <laughs> maybe that yeah. person is like fishing for likes and comments because you know you got to run it up on instagram so like if that's, that's a good point you're journey and your agenda <laughs> i guess fight for us because you're fighting for us in the capacity that me or you don't don't care that's to. a good point but somebody got to do it you know <laughs> that's actually a good point actually i like you right somebody got to do it it, it couldn't yeah. be me. i don't have time to argue with you about how you feel like it's just that so in 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 a piece of your bio i want to read this because this was a quote from you and you said, my hope is that I aspire Black queer people to be authentic, whether it's through queer aesthetics or beginning a medical transition, challenge the norm and challenge the binary. Want to talk about that a little bit more? Uh, yeah. So I describe like my transition as like at the beginning of people understanding like pronouns. So when I decided I was going to use they them pronouns, that threw everybody like for a world like that shit threw people like turn people upside down and now it's not that like someone else can come out and like that not happen when i got my top surgery i didn't want nipple my nipples graft on i just wanted just a smooth chest that threw people upside down <laughs> especially my doctors i had to find a doctor who understood that and just did ex like what i wanted to be done and so just like challenging whether it's your medical transition they're going to suggest things but like, do like what feels right to you. Um, find a doctor. I specifically had to find a doctor who has some melanin. So like things mm. like that. Tailor your experience to the things that you need. Find the insurance that will do the things that you need to, to get done. And I know that sometimes that's really hard. But like, it's worth waiting for. Challenge those things. Um, really push and lean into it. Aesthetically, put on whatever the hell you want to put on. <laughs> I shop in the ladies section all the time. I shop with my wife all the time. And like guys will be like, damn, like your outfit is so cold. Like where you get that? And I'm like, oh yeah, it was in the ladies section at Zara. <laughs> you can go there and get the same outfit as long as you shop in the ladies section. And it's like, it ain't that much pressure. Clothes are just clothes. Definitely. And gay boys do it. But like when you tell a straight guy that, they be like, oh man, I ain't going to shop in the ladies section at Forever 21. Or at H&M or wherever the hell I got, whatever I got on. But it's just clothes, you know? Just put them on. 
and it make is it just yours. clothes. It is. <laughs> I don't know if I had the courage to do that either. Only it's hard. Because- like sometimes I have to have my wife with me. Like, babe, like I want to go to the lady section and don't want to feel like, you know, like the man in the lady section making people feel uncomfortable. So like she'll go with me. There are challenges within that. You know what's crazy about that, that you say that, that you don't want to be the man in the lady section, but who gives a fuck? Because how do they, how do people really know why you in the lady section? They don't know if it's for you or if you're buying a gift for somebody else or if you're yeah. shopping for somebody else, right? So it's like, we have all these internal ideas of what other people are thinking that may not even be true. And even if it is, who gives a fuck, right? Yeah. We should be able yeah. to do whatever we want to do when we want to do them. And just like you said, it's clothes. And as long as when you go out, you look good, you feel good and you're getting compliments, that's the point of putting on clothes in the first place, right? So yeah, I, can, I think maybe we need to rethink that. I mean, me personally, I think I wouldn't do it only because it would trigger me a bit um, just from like some childhood stuff in, 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 in the women's section. So I don't think that I would do that personally. But I don't know if I see a nice little shirt, you know, I might have to cop that. And that's you know? the part. Like, they, fit, they fit different. So like. I feel what you say about like things like triggering uh, from your childhood, but like. Sometimes, or for me at least, like it's been like affirming to being like, wow, I really wanted my body to look like this. And like now, I guess basically I look like a gay boy. And I think maybe that's just how I always wanted to look or something. But like I go and like I put on booty shorts from the lady section. And high school me would have never put them shorts on. Or even like transition year one, never, ever, ever. But now I guess just the way that my body has filled out. Man, I bought some Daisy Dukes for a festival the other day <laughs> that my wife thought were really funny, but it it felt good. Like, wow, like this is the body that I'm supposed to be in. And I can go back and revisit like those crop tops or like um, I forgot what they're called, but like just like the little, little half they kind of like are like bras that you can wear out, like the ones that girls wear or even just like a leotard inside mm. of some shorts, stuff like that. My body it looks different in those things. So I, I like wearing that stuff. <laughs> mind you, I'm for folks who don't know you and haven't maybe seen your Instagram, mind you, your quads on point, abs on point, <laughs> your, your, your biceps on point. So not to say that that matters. You can have anybody's shape. Let me correct that. You yeah. can have anybody type as long as you feel comfortable in what you're wearing. But I want to say that you look good in your outfit. If you put on some booty shorts, you got your, your muscle quads out. You're good. <laughs> Right. So it's I, I yeah. think it's all about finding what you like and yeah. just doing it. And you, I want to go back for a second because you talked about finding a surgeon that's going to do exactly what you want to do. And mm-hmm. so that you feel happy with it. Right. Because this is major surgery and this is a decision that we have to live with and a body that we have to live with once it's done. Right. And so in episode six with Zeke, we talked about that, like really being yes, as as folks that want gender affirming surgery, we're serious. We're like, I want this done now, but you're not take, willing to take the time to do your research mm-hmm. and finding a doctor that's for you. And just like you said, take your time, you know, because this is important. Your body, how you feel in your body is important afterwards. And I want to ask you a question because me personally, I've always wondered that too, like why someone wouldn't want nipple grafts. Um, and I got nipple grafts and just because I just, I don't know, I don't, I'm not really a nipple kind of guy. I don't care if you touch them or you don't, or you look at them or not, but I just aesthetically for me and my, and my, myself, I wanted to have them was, what is your reasoning for not caring to have them at all? So I had heard a lot of different, like, like in my opinion, like horror stories of like 
somebody taking a shower and like their nipple falling off. Oh or... shit. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Ooh, sorry. <laughs> Ooh, I felt that. I just literally, when you said that, I felt like my nipples just slid off. Like, oh, that was just uncomfortable. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, that could have just been them on like how they was taking care of their body. And uh, I just wanted like a minimal amount of scarring. I, oh, also like I have, so I was born with like, I guess two sets of nipples. So I have two small ones. I don't know if you can see them, but they're like in, right here, like really small little baby nipples on top of the ones that I already had. Uh, so I felt like they were in like the perfect place on. And so I was like, I'll just keep those, even though they're like really micro tiny. They look like little, like uh, just little bumps. But my goal was to get like a tattoo, like areola on the outside. And then that way I would have like, I guess less, uh, less scarring or less. I would see people who's like uh, nipples would like change colors too. And like, I didn't want that. I didn't, they just seemed like they didn't know enough about black people who <laughs> wanted top surgery. And I just felt like a lot of people had bad stories mm -hmm. and I just wanted to avoid that completely. Um, and so that's why I tried to find a doctor who was also brown and, you know, didn't care that I didn't want nip my nipples graft on. Yeah, I think me personally, I, I said I had my nipple gra uh, graft on and I did have some issues, not bad issues. It wasn't. Oh, it wasn't that shower incident. Oh my God. But, <laughs> but um, I don't know if it's, I, I feel like my surgeon did an, an excellent job and he had experience with uh, all types of people, but I just feel like it's also a person to person thing, right? Everybody's body is different. How your body reacts to surgery is different. And so when I had um, my color didn't come back. So it was, year two years and my color didn't come back so i actually went back to the surgeon and he tattooed color on mine uh, which hurt like a motherfucker I but bet, yeah bet. that hurt but <laughs> even just now some of that color has worn off and i'm okay with that now right so you have to really be okay with how you feel about your body and how your body yeah. looks to you yeah. um so uh yeah yeah, that yeah, don't be scaring people talking about that damn nipple story. Well, I'm just telling me, I was just like, oh man, I don't want that. Just tattoo them things on. I ended up just getting like a big chest tattoo over uh like I have I guess I got the double incisions. So I have a big tattoo um over all of my scars um that are just like flowers. Mm. And so I I still didn't get like you could I take off my shirt and you can't see my nipples, which is all sometimes throws me off because you're like, you know, I go to the gym and wear like little skinny tank tops and I'm like, oh man, people are going to notice I don't have nipples, but nobody ever notices. Yeah. <laughs> and if they do, who gives a fuck again, right? Why they even looking? <laughs> do your own workout and don't worry about what my nipples are or what they look like. Come on. Like people yeah. just need to mind their business, right? Yeah. But it's still, it's still a thing yeah, that whether it's for real, it still exists in my head, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I got you. I definitely understand that. I definitely understand that. So I want to talk about, um, you are an entrepreneur and the, the one, the first thing that I knew about you when I first, um, heard about you and somebody said, Oh, you gotta, you gotta have me on the show was that you own the business. Um, yeah. so you want to tell us, I want to, okay, I want you to go ahead first. Tell us about your business. And then I, I have a comment about your business. Go ahead. Okay. So I will say that I had a business. So since I moved here, 
was too hard to manage it. But the business that I had um, was called Define Different Cleaning. Um, I cleaned homes and a few commercial spaces. Um, and as I attempted to grow, um, I kind of grew too fast and didn't have any uh, like a foundation, like systems set. And then I moved here. And so I had contractors and they just were not getting the job done. <laughs> they just couldn't clean, I guess. I, I set a certain standard and they weren't cleaning to that standard. So my clients were constantly calling me and it just became like entirely overwhelming. Um, on top of the fact that I lost a family member just before moving. So I just like had to close it, focus on myself, focus on my mental health. And it just it just wasn't making enough money for me to um, to do that because they just weren't cleaning like how I was supposed to be cleaning. But I really do miss that life of mm. setting my own hours, being my own boss, posting the videos. I really enjoyed like creating content. That was like the thing that I enjoyed the most. Speaking on you creating content, that was how your vi- one of your videos was how I learned how to clean the toilet. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> hey, I know how to clean the toilet. I don't want nobody listening. Think, oh, this this Sean don't know how to clean no toilet. I do know how to clean the toilet, but I when you when I saw your instructional video, I was like, wait a minute, I ain't think about cleaning it like that and getting all underneath and the crevices yeah. and how you was. Yeah, so some people you- will think that their toilet is really clean, but like. I, I will I will point point it out. I'll find the spots. <laughs> yeah, I was like, damn, I and I'm not even kidding you. Since I watched that video, I clean my toilet totally different. I yeah, I do, and I make sure I get all them little crevices you mentioned in the video. <laughs> so are it's you think- a lot, man. It's a lot. Yeah. Are you thinking about um starting it where you are now or are you just done with it? No, I think I'm just done with it. Um there is a lot of money in the cleaning industry. But it is a certain level of like hard work that I don't know if like I'm capable of starting like all the way over again. Uh, also, people speak Spanish here. And honestly, I think I would have to learn how to speak Spanish in order to like hire people that would actually like get out there and do it like consistently and I trust them or have someone else like a business partner who could like speak Spanish. Also, most of the people here speak Spanish and I do not. Every cleaning lady I come across to like ask a question, like don't even like speak English. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, it's it's different. So maybe if we moved closer to like Santa Fe is the capital, but there's a bigger city close by called Albuquerque. It's like an hour away. And so that's our plan is to move a little bit closer. But I do enjoy cleaning. I just don't think I could start it from the ground up over again. And especially because I really enjoyed making content, I was like, I probably could, you know, do something that's a little less strenuous and still get the job done as far as being like my own, like a business owner or entrepreneur. So is this an official call out to folks listening? If you in in your city and you speak Spanish or you interested in being in the cleaning <laughs> business that you're thinking about starting it up and you need some. No. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I, I already met okay. one person and they like, they're a queer human and they have, they clean a few commercial spaces and it was definitely had me like, Hmm, hmm. I, I don't think I want to do that again. Okay. But okay. I definitely have love for the cleaning industry. Like everywhere I go, I'm like, Dang, look at their look at their vents. They're so dusty. I could I could charge them. Blah 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 blah. Look at them ceiling fans. Look at the corner. Who the hell does that? 
That's I do it, it everywhere I go. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> this that restaurant is, funny. is dirty. I'll be like, babe, this restaurant is disgusting. Look at that. <laughs> hey, that's how you could start, though. You could be like, hey, I, I'm a clean professional cleaner, and I realize your restaurant is dirty. How many other people come here and think that is dirty? I can clean your restaurant for it. Yeah. That's what I used to do. Really? But I just got to be able to, like, just be the set up a system to where I just make other people go clean. I got and you. that just requires a lot. And I just don't think I'm there right now. I got you. I respect that. Hey, this is Sean Aaron. I'm the founder and executive director of Them Boys, Inc. I am also the host of Them Boys podcast. As you may know, Them Boys provides financial assistance to trans men of color in order for them to obtain gender affirming surgery. We have great news. We're currently looking for volunteers to help support our programs. Our programs include our gender affirming surgery grant program and also our personal care package program. We personally curate packages filled with personal hygiene items, just to name a few things like tissue, soap, towels, toothpaste, and toothbrushes. We mail them out to trans men of color across the country who may be in need of help caring for their personal hygiene needs. We are looking for volunteers to help raise funds to support our programs. Also, we're looking for someone locally to the Bay Area to help us put all of the care packages together. If our mission is something that resonates with you and you would like to help support our work, just let us know. You can send an email to hello at themboys.org. That is H-E-L-L-O at D-E-M-B-O-I-S dot org. And we will get back to you with further details. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy the next episode. So moving from Atlanta to now in Santa Fe, Santa Fe, New Mexico, um, you mentioned having to rediscover yourself in an environment where Black trans people don't really exist. What was that uh, rediscovery like? And are you still rediscovering yourself? Yeah, I definitely, there are a lot of things that make me feel like second guess myself when I step out into the world here. So we were joking earlier about people, about my nipples at the gym when I wear a tank top. Now I've gotten to the point where I feel like I need to pack at the gym. And it's like, I never felt like that before because there were other queer people in the gym who like looked however they looked in Atlanta. And specifically there were a lot of gay boys and most gay boys, they usually know like that I'm probably trans. And so like, that was fine. But here it's like, they don't know. So they see a man and I'm like, dang, well, I gotta, I gotta have a bulge when I'm like on the bench press. And I'm like, I don't want nobody like, you know, my pants hella flat where I got on booty shorts. And they're like, damn, his dick small as shit. Maybe you a grower, like, not a shower, you know? Yeah, yeah, well, maybe, I don't know. I'm like, I'm the only black guy at the gym, so I can't have not have a bulge. I have to have a bulge. And that's how I feel. And I'm like, well, do I like having the bulge or do I feel like if I go, if we move somewhere else, am I still going to do that? Am I just doing that because I'm here? So here I'm just more, I guess people just perceive me as like a sir. And so I've been like grappling with trying to balance out my feminine and masculine energy. Additionally, people are scared of me as like just being like a black man. Like people will lock their car doors when they see me walking by when I'm walking through the gym parking lot. Or I work at FedEx. So I'm a FedEx delivery driver. And this is where I get it the most. Where like I'll try to deliver a package and somebody's like let their dog out on me before. Like, you can't tell I work at FedEx or I walk in with a package 
And people are just like staring at me like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I got this big ass box. Where do you want me to put it? <laughs> I'm delivering this package to you. Like they think I'm about to rob them. It's so wild. It is wild. And like people re- respond to me in a different way because they're not used to seeing, I guess, a masculine black body. And so that has been challenging. That's been the worst part. And so it's caused me to focus only on my masculine side and my feminine side gets neglected, which also I feel like causes problems within my relationship. And so it's just like like a lot of me second guessing myself. Mm, let's unpack that for a second. First, let's talk about the bulge. Um, I, I'm the same way in the gym. Um, and so what I have done to kind of make me feel better, like ain't nobody looking at me, is I'll tuck a towel in my shirt. I mean, excuse me, a towel in the front of my pants. So that hang it down, you know, like football players do? Hang it down so you can't see nothing, right? Now, I, I think that. I see you interview uh, this, like, the light-skinned light trans guy that's like a trainer. Uh, Zeke, episode six. Yeah, I, so he does that in his videos. And I've thought about that before. But I just, I don't have a rag, I don't think. But I've thought about a hand towel. Yes, he does do that in his videos. You're right. And I do that too. In certain, if I'm on a bench press or if I'm doing like um, uh, glute lifts, you know how you lay down and you do the the, the press up with the glutes. You know what I'm talking Uh about? I put it on there. Uh, Just certain things. If I'm doing leg press, I do it then because behind the machine, you can see in between somebody's lap. So I do it there. So in certain places, I do the same thing. And it's not, and I think to myself too, it's not necessarily that I care. If you see that I got a bulge and me personally, when I'm walking around in the street, people tend to divert their eyes straight down to me. I have no idea why. I don't know if it's because of how I walk or how I carry myself. And they like, oh, I know this brother got a big dick and they look down. I don't know why. <laughs> people always people always do that. Ever since I've transitioned, they just look down. And so I kind of get self-conscious about that. But I wanted to say, like, it's not necessary to have a bulge. I'm just saying this for folks that's listening. You think, oh, okay, I, I need a bulge because now I look like this. No, you, it's not really necessary, but it's all about how you feel about yourself and how you yeah. how you feel. And if, if, it, if it's affecting your mental health and you're saying relationship and all of that stuff. But I would suggest a towel that, that works. So at least, yeah. you know, people are <laughs> looking at shit. And if they are, they guessing, right? They don't know. Yeah. I like um, that. I- Probably would try to. It happens at the gym and at the pool is where it like bothers me the most. Ooh, the pool. Okay. Now that one, I don't know. That's that. The towel wouldn't work with that, but that's definitely. Now I just put a sock in there. And like I wear like really short shorts. So it's like, like right now I got on shorts and like sitting in the chair, it comes all the way to like the top of my thighs. So mm-hmm. like you can tell there's nothing there. But if I put a sock there, then like I, I'm okay. It makes me feel better. Mm. But I've been avoiding booty shorts entirely because also like it's hot and all of that. <laughs> yeah. But I like wearing booty shorts. It's just like just things like that. It's just like, oh, why can't I just not care? But right now I'm at the point where it's like, just put a sock in there or you're gonna have a very long day. <laughs> mm. So do you mind we talk about how it affects your relationship? Can we talk about that? Yeah. And, and so in what ways do you focus in only on your masculine side versus the feminine side because of these these things like the bulge and, and stuff like that? How how does it affect your relationship, your marriage, I should say? Well, yeah, yeah. So like um, I feel like it causes me to get stuck in like this like hyper masculine way of thinking. Um, so like. Little things like not listening, um, not communicating. 
like it it just causes me like kind of like I'm just my chest is puffed out all the time like in defensive mode and like I don't have to be like that at home um we're about to go to couples therapy because I just have I have a wall and I don't know how to like bring it down but I think it has a lot to do with me being super focused on one side of myself and neglecting the more softer sides of myself. Mm. The for for sure. the first step is acknowledgement, right? You acknowledge that you you know that this is our issue. I I 100% support uh couple therapy. And long as you know that there's an issue, some people can walk through their relationship be like, ain't nothing wrong with me. It's all you, right? But long as yeah. you know that there's something and then just having to work on, well, what ways can I work on this? It's a starting point, right? So much luck to, uh, I, I wish you both the best in, in working that out. And Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody yeah. needs help all the time. So sure, <laughs> it's like sure. a thing that we talk about to like some of our other friends are in it and like have suggested it. and. We're both, me and my wife are, like, the way that she functions, she's, like, a boss. So she has her masculine attributes to herself as well. And those are the two parts of us that end up colliding, where it's, like, all the time. Not all the time, but frequently. Specifically when, like, emotions are, like, like she she will feel some type of way and, like, not want to talk about it. And I do the same thing. We just do it at different times. And if she don't want to talk about it, then I'm like, all right, well, cool. That's cool. If you don't want to talk about it, then I'll just keep functioning. Whereas I should open up and be like, nah, babe, like, tell me what's going on. I got to pull it out of you. We both have to do that to each other where we should, you know, we both need help softening up. (laughs) We both are hyper-masculine in the way that we function, kind of like, she could have been in the military too. Like that was supposed to be a part of her journey. So like we both communicate very direct, very strong. Sometimes people, we come off stiff to people, but like we get it. We communicate in black and white and not everybody communicates like that. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. I, I know a lot of uh, folks that were in the military, then that's how they communicate. I don't, yeah. I <laughs> as a matter of fact, <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. It's like, I prefer that actually. You straight up let me know. All right, cool. We ain't, you ain't beating around the bush. You ain't bullshitting me. You black and white. I love that. But not everybody receives communication in that way. And I can see how that and could also, be. A, go ahead. Like in a relationship, you got to, you know, tone it down sometimes too. Yeah. Where it's like things are matter of fact, but like, you know, like let's talk about the things that are in between. Yeah, the give and take. Yeah. It's easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, um, I support y'all, and, and I hope that that helps a bit with the with the, the couple therapy. I hope that it yeah. works. So, I want to ask you, uh, what does your support system look like? I, I know you have your wife, but outside of that, like, what 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 support do you have? Uh, my friends, my friends, and my cousins uh, are like my support. I have. A lot of cousins. Um, and we're all younger and kind of have experienced the same thing. Um, our family has sickle cell, like the disease. So all of us have lost a parent. And so, like, if you look at my wedding pictures, it's just like a pictures of a whole bunch of young people. <laughs> and like, I'm one of the oldest. So we're like maybe a year or two apart going all the way down to, I think the youngest person is like 28 or 29. So we're all kind of like also in the same walk of life of like getting married, buying a home, 
doing those things. So we're really, really close and going on vacations together. Um, my friends, I haven't made very many friends here, which is also a big problem. <laughs> um, most of our friends are in Albuquerque, which is like an hour away. And I started doing drag uh, once I moved here. Um, so I made a lot of friends through doing that. But because they're an hour away, we don't hang out with them maybe like once a month, twice a month, three times is like really pushing it. Um, so I don't have as much of a support system since being here. And like, that's why I want to move. I need friends to like be in a healthy mental space. Mm. Um, and I'm not on my phone a lot either. So like messaging my friends from Atlanta is just like, they'll text me today and I'll probably text them three days from now. And like, it'll uh, just be like a long drawn out conversation like that. One of those people. Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Okay. But if you call me, I'll answer. Okay. If you call me, I'll answer. But people don't do, be doing that. So. Yeah, I get that. I'm not a <laughs> phone talking type of person. Because for me, if, I, if I'm going to talk to you on the phone, I have to be sitting down doing absolutely nothing. And you have my undivided attention. That's how I function when I'm on the phone. But I could text you and I'm in the grocery store. I'm in a car when I while I'm driving. I mean, I say that or I'm you know, I'm doing <laughs> other things and I could text you and respond back. But I don't I'm not going to if people get mad at me because I ain't going to pick up the phone and call. I could look right at the phone and I will put it back down because I'm if I'm not not doing anything, I'm not going to yeah. pick up the phone. Uh, so I got you. I remember not to text you if it's important because I do what you just said. <laughs> I'll read it and then I'll set my phone back down and keep doing what I'm doing and maybe forget until like, oh, shit. Yeah. He texted me like three days ago. Like, let me hear him more. <laughs> oh, All right. So I want to ask you, you mentioned Jack Queen. Jack, I keep saying Queen. I don't know why I keep saying that. I think I keep saying that because of all the stuff that's in the news. So yeah. I think that's why I keep saying that word. But let me say drag king. Excuse yes. me. Um, How did you get into that? So I love RuPaul's Drag Race. Like that, I have watched every season, even the ones like I have, I have to have a subscription to his Wow Plus channel, and I've watched all the seasons more than once. So I've always loved drag. That was part of like my beginning journey of like watching drag on Saturday mornings at my grandma's house, but having like Cartoon Network on the last button. So when my grandma walks in the living room, I hit last because she ain't about to see RuPaul on this TV. <laughs> <laughs> and like that was before I knew I was gay. I just enjoyed watching the show, you know, on the Logo Network back in the day. Uh, and then in Atlanta, I used to work as security at my sister's room. And I honestly only did that because I wanted to be there and watch the drag shows. And like, you know, I don't have to pay to get in, especially when they have like, you know, the RuPaul girls come. I just work security and I stand right next to the stage and enjoy the show like everybody else. I don't even got to get drunk. I don't got to spend no money. Mm. I just got to deal with drunk people at the end of the show. But that was cool to me. And so when I moved here, people are just more open. And like, honestly, I went to a drag show and it just like wasn't that great. And I was like, wow, people will still give me money even if I do bad. So like, that's cool. Because if you do bad in Atlanta, people are going to talk about you. And you're probably not going to get invited back. <laughs> and even your friends are going to make fun of you. And it's like, okay, I didn't want to go through that but here i was like okay cool i can at least do it don't nobody know me and i they're gonna applaud just an a for effort right and that's i found whoever hosted that show and was like i think this is like a thing that i want to do 
and he always hosts shows at that bar. And he was like, perfect. He said, I love your energy. And he gave me a date and sent me the email literally that night of like, it was like a pageant that he puts together. And I was in his pageant. And I didn't win the pageant, but I gave them a run for their money. <laughs> and then after that, it was like my little family where they kept helping me and putting me in, in shows and stuff. Nice. So what is your drag name? Uh, my drag name is Benjamin Banji. Benjamin Banji. How did how did that name choose you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I had like a whole list that I would send to my friends, like, vote on these names for me. And Benjamin Banji was not the most voted, but the one that like just kept coming back to me that I kept trying to like alter. So Benjamin, I picked Benjamin because I like the movie Benjamin Button. I like the 1920s. I like old school music like Duke Ellington and uh, Ella Fitzgerald are like two of my favorites. And just like even our room that I'm sitting in, we like made it Art Deco like with like the velvet chairs and stuff. And I feel like Benjamin is just classy. But also I live in a place where like my casual aesthetic comes across as like I look like I'm from the hood or something like and I ain't even from the hood. Like people are intimidated by me by putting on a fitted cap and a black t-shirt. And so I was like, all right, bet. Like I'm going to use my drag to be the most blackest version of myself. So I was like, I'm going to be Banji. In real life, I'm not Banji. <laughs> I wouldn't say I was Banji. I enjoy being in like in those spaces, but I don't come from like, you know, like a background that's like that. But just being in Atlanta, you know, caused you to be a certain type of way. And I just literally go on stage and perform like I'm performing for people in Atlanta. <laughs> and so I just like we'll have in a grill or just being like an uh, a masculine black like usher, Chris Brown. Like people don't do that here. So yeah. it just was like a play on being the blackest version of myself, but still being classy at the same time. So like I'm Benjamin Benji. I like that. So for folks that don't know what Banji means, can you explain that? Oh, yeah. So it's like comes from like the pageant world of not the pageant world. I'm sorry, like ballroom. So they used to have a category called like like Banji girl or like Banji guy. You would have to walk and look like you was like a dude from the street or like a girl from the streets. Um, and whatever that I guess that looks like to you, just someone being from the hood. OK, I love that. I never did drag, but uh, I performed at the club back in the day when I identified as a lesbian. And so, you know, they had the, the lip singing shows. I performed one time and my stage name was Mr. President. And that kind of been like the nickname that I that kind of followed me from years and years. Yeah, uh, I'm shy. So I definitely can't do that. I more props to you. Cause I've seen a couple of your videos and you performing. I can't do that. Like you got all the confidence <laughs> in the world. My hat goes off to you. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot. It definitely has taught me a lot about myself. Cause I am, I guess a little bit of a perfectionist, which I didn't realize. And like, it's okay to suck. Like you mess up and like life keeps going. Like I have tripped over the stairs during a performance and like have had some really like, terrible experiences but at the end of the show like was able to like come out on top and people were like wow that was so good and i'm like really because i chipped over the chair i dropped the mic like y'all didn't even know like i fell into somebody's lap while i was dancing and like nobody seen it like only i know that i did all those things 
I'm like, you guys still think it's amazing? So it just teaches me like, wow, like life just keep going. It doesn't have to be perfect. Like yeah. you can improvise in the moment or you can plan something and it might not go as planned, but you still got to keep on performing. So. Yeah. And be glad <laughs> so you ain't you... in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am excited for the day though when I perform in Atlanta because it's going to be like a great return. Nice. I feel like I'll be a different version of myself that's very authentic. So I'm excited for that day. You practicing already? You ready? No, actually. So I'm on medical leave from work because I got in a car accident last year oh, and I got I some that. like herniated discs in the back. So I haven't been practicing or done doing any shows because my back is all jacked up. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. That's that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> that's not good. I hope you're rehabbing and taking care of yourself. And Yeah. Yeah. I have to go to like a chiropractor three times a week. Um, I still go to the gym and lift light. So it definitely is teaching me. I'm a busy body, just like any other entrepreneur is, where it's just like, you just keep going and going. And I probably should have lightened up earlier last year. And so now it's just coming back to chase me and finally caught up with me. Yeah. So this is the part of the show where I love to ask the guests a random question. Uh, I have a list that's always growing. Uh, I still have 31 questions now, though. That hasn't grown in a bit. But it may or may not have anything to do with what we talked about. So you just pick a number between 1 and 31, and then I'll read that question off to you. Uh, 13. 13. You was for sure about 13. You 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 heard 13 before on a previous episode? No, no. That's oh, just okay. my <laughs> okay, because you came out with 13, like, oh, I know this question. Right. <laughs> I'm like, damn, I'm gonna have to shuffle these questions up. No, nah, but okay, so 13 is actually an action item. So tell us a joke. Tell you a joke. Oh shit. That's funny because at the gym that I go to every day when you leave, like they have a joke next to the door. Uh-huh. And I didn't check the joke today. Um why doesn't the Uber driver go to the gym? Why? Because he can't lift. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's actually kind of funny. That's I like that. One. I, I got one. What do you call a book club that's been stuck on the same book for years? I don't know. A church. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that that's a good one too. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I really appreciate you. Thank you for taking our time to show up. Any last words that you want to say to folks that are listening? Uh, no, nah, man, just be you. That's it. That's you. That's the affirmation every morning. I look at myself. I take a deep breath. I'm like, all right, bet. Just be you. <laughs> I love that. Actually, that's some good, good advice. Walking up. That's good. That's a good way to end the show. Tell folks, just be you. Wherever good. you are, just be you. Love it. Don't forget the deep breath because you got to let it out. Deep breath. Look in the mirror. Look at yourself (laughs) and say, just be you. Nah, that's golden. That's definitely golden. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you, man, for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. So we have reached the end of this episode. I want to say thank you for listening to Them Boys Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Sean Aaron, he, him, his. Be sure to visit our website at themboys.org. That is D-E-M, 
B-O-I-S dot org. If you would like to connect with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram or Facebook. If you think you would be a great guest on the show, or if you know somebody you think would be a great guest on the show, there's multiple ways to request to be a guest on the show. First is you can go visit our Instagram page, click the link in our bio. And from there, you'll be able to request to be a guest on the show. Or you can visit our website, click the programs tab up top, scroll down to podcast, click the podcast button. And from there on the podcast page, you'll be able to request to be a guest on the show. Yo, we need questions, y'all. If you have those burning questions, a question that you want to ask me or a future guest on the show, there's multiple ways that you can send in questions, right? So first, you can go to Instagram, DM us that question, or you can email us at hello at themboys.org. That's H-E-L-L-O, like hi, at themboys.org. Be sure to like the show. Be sure to share this show out with your friends and other folks in your networks. So until next time, take care.